in these times and the American prospect on labor issues. I'm serving as the moderator for tonight's debate. This debate was organized by the Independent Office of the Election Supervisor for the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. The Office of the Election Supervisor oversees the union's election process. Richard Mark is the election supervisor, and he is here with us this evening. Next week, ballots will be mailed to 1.4 million Teamster members in the United States and Canada and the vote count to determine who will hold the union's top offices for the next five years will begin on November the 15th. Let me now introduce the two candidates for Teamsters General Secretary, and my colleagues on the panel of journalists will be asking questions. Representing the Teamsters Power Slate is Ron Herrera. Ron. Mr. Herrera, a 46-year member of the Teamsters, is a principal officer of Local Union 396 in Covina, California, and also serves as a Teamsters International Vice President for the West Region. Welcome, Mr. Herrera. Representing the Teamsters United Slate is Fred Zuckerman. Mr. Zuckerman, a 42-year member of the Teamsters, is president of Local Union 89 in Louisville, Kentucky, and president of the Joint Council 94 which represents members in three states. Welcome, Mr. Zuckerman. Thank you. To my left is Joel Blyfus, the editor and publisher of in, in These Times, which is based here in Chicago, and is a leading source of labor reporting, including an article I just wrote for them. Joel has worked for the news organization since 1986. On my right is Sam Sanders, a journalist with More Perfect Union, an internet-based news site where she covers issues related to working families. Before joining, more Perfect Union, Sam worked on policy issues for the Economic Policy Institute in Washington and topics related to the future of work at the U.S. Department of Labor. We have a live audience here in Chicago, the majority of whom are Teamster Union members. Everyone in the room has shown proof of having been vaccinated for COVID-19, and the audience will be wearing masks throughout the debate, hopefully. This debate is being streamed on the web, on YouTube, and Teamster Facebook channels. We also have a number of credentialed journalists present with us. Welcome to all of you. In addition to the questions from our panelists, those in the room can submit questions in writing by filling out cards that have been supplied and passed out to them by Jamie Horowitz, who, is standing, who will be standing in the front row. I urge you to take part in that effort. Tonight's debate, the last of three international officer candidate debates, and the only one featuring the candidates for general secretary treasurer is an opportunity for thousands of Teamster members, as well as the news media and the general public, to hear from candidates representing these two rival slates. Whoever wins this election this fall will introduce a new era for this powerful union. Candidates, you know the rules. Each candidate will have two minutes for an opening statement. The order of the opening statements has been determined by a coin flip a short time ago. Mr. Herrera will make the first opening statement and also the first closing statement. Mr. Zuckerman will receive the first question. When we begin the question and answer period as moderator, I will direct the flow of all questions and recognize each panelist alternating between candidates. The candidates to whom the question is addressed will have 90 seconds to respond. The other candidate is given 45 seconds for a rebuttal or comment. The candidate first question will then have 30 seconds for a rebuttal. And if I think an answer needs further clarification or a follow-up, I may allow an extension or discussion 
or direct one of the other panelists to continue the line of questioning for an additional 45 seconds. Following the question and answer period, each candidate will have two minutes for closing statements. We have a timekeeper in the room, and the candidates and panelists can clearly see the time displayed right in front of us. When time is up, if a candidate is still speaking, I will stop the answer to keep the debate moving. I may let a candidate complete a sentence, if possible, when time is up, but not start a fresh thought. Finally, let me remind everyone in the audience here in Chicago not to engage in any outburst or action that may take away from the speaking time of the candidates. This can lead to sanctions from the election supervisor or the audience member, for the audience member, the candidate, and the slate. And quite importantly, if you haven't silenced your cell phones yet, this is the time to turn them off and to get offline for an hour. And with that, let's begin with the opening statements. Mr. Herrera, we begin with you, please. Thank you. Bonsoir et bienvenue, Canada. Merci, Francois. Bienvenidos, Puerto Rico, y mi familia latina. Es nuestro tiempo. Welcome, brothers and sisters. I uh, am excited and privileged to be here in front of you today, running for the position of General Secretary Treasurer. I think it's important to pay respects both to Canada and Puerto Rico because we're an international union. Pride, loyalty, and respect, that's what the Teamsters are all about. And our mission is to build a labor movement inclusive and led by the Teamsters in this country. We're running campaigns in Southern California and the West Coast and on Amazon. We just passed a historic bill in the state of California that was signed by our governor, Gavin Newsom, and it's on production standards. We're fighting misclassification. We're fighting the gig economy. We're uh, fighting the transformation of green energy. We're building political power to protect our members, like through policies like Don't Waste LA in, in Los Angeles and Transform Don't Trash in New York City. We're protecting our pensions. And I want to thank all the members, the officers, and especially the retirees who helped pass the Butch Lewis Act. We're fighting for social justice. We're not afraid to say the word systemic racism. We're fighting for immigration reform, even if it takes civil disobedience. And we're fighting for a pathway to citizenship for our members. We're fighting to organize, continue organizing in the public sector. Fred is running on a campaign focused on the past, meant to divide our members and tear down our union. He's even traveled to my local union where he's called the police on my members. Mr. We Moore, need a le leadership. Can you sum up, please? We need a leadership that extends into the future and not keep grabbing onto the past. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. Zuckerman, your opening statement, please. Thank you very much. As everybody knows, I've been an outspoken critic of the Hoffa administration for a very long time. The reason why I'm outspoken is because they have not gone to work for many, many years. To today's date, we have lost over 300,000 members since they have taken office. To further talk about that issue, we have lost 178 local unions in 23 years. Now, how does that happen? That happens because nobody is working. That happens 
as a result of people not doing their jobs and organizing and having no international support to the local unions to make us better. Now, my opponent here is running for General Secretary Treasurer. He's got four jobs, three of them he's not doing right now. He's the chairman of the Article 43 Committee on the UPS contract and a member of the UPS National Committee. He had an opportunity in 2018 to stand with Sean and I to oppose the contract, particularly with regard to subcontracting. Now, in Southern California, he goes down there and whines like a little girl, telling everybody that, you know, the feeders are being taken over by subcontractors and there's nothing we can do about it. He was the chairman of that committee. He was on the National Negotiating Committee, could have done something about it, but didn't. My time's running out, but I need to make one further point. He's got four jobs. One of them is with the state fed. He's the chairman of the state fed in Los Angeles County. He has, he has given up his loyalty to the Teamsters to give it to somebody else is the reason why he's not going to work and taking care of Teamster jobs. Now, he wants to come to Washington, D.C. and be... Please continue. My time's up. Thank you. All right, let's turn to our panel. Joel, can you um, start our discussion? Uh, this is for uh, Mr. Herrera. During the last convention in 2016, the Teamsters voted overwhelmingly to organize Amazon, specifically its drivers. But there are a minimum of 1,000 1, contractors that provide drivers for Amazon across the country. When was the last time the Teamsters accomplished such an organizing project on this scale? You know, I think that Amazon is unique. Oh. And uh, we have to uh, look at Amazon as an organizing drive. It's very, very broad. But we have to work together with it. Um, we have to, I mean, I'm being criticized for running the, the LA Federation of Labor, but it builds political power for the teams. There's political power that we need uh, to attack this giant. Political power that places the Deputy Labor Secretary Julie Sue into office. And I don't appreciate him attacking my joint council, because that was a strategy by my president and the executive board of my joint council to put me in place to build political power in the Teamsters. And it's interesting that two of the candidates on his slate sit on my board for the LA Federation of Labor, both my brother Chris Griswold and my sister Lindsay Doherty, and have unanimously voted for everything that I've put forth in Los Angeles. It is the second largest a labor federation in the country, and I'm proud to run it, and I'm proud to say that a Teamsters running it. We're also running Las Vegas. We're also running Montana. We've, we've also running Monterey, uh, California. And uh, if we get lucky, we're going to run Memphis, Tennessee as well. And I encourage all my brothers and sisters, if they can do the same, please do it. Because that's the way you build political power. We run the state, and I'm very, very proud of that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, our next um, question will be for Mr. Zuckerman. Sam. Well, I think I respond to that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Don't please. I with I 45 seconds? No, go, please go ahead and respond. So with regard to the L.A. Fed, the, the, the point that I was trying to make and I got cut off was he's not doing the work that he's supposed to be doing today. And we have campaigned at Local 396, and your members tell us all the time that they never see you. They see us more than they see you out there. Now, our folks that are on it, 
go to work every day. As chairman, he's got a bigger responsibility, but he's negated his responsibility to the Teamsters, which you just can't do. You know, he wants to take this job in Washington, D.C., but he's got other things that he's got to do. The job in Washington, D.C. is a full-time job. If you're not willing to take a huge salary cut, move to Washington, D.C., and spend your time full-time there, then you're not qualified for the job. You're unfit for okay, the job. Thank you. Do you want to, um, do you want to respond to his uh, point that those members on your slate are also on the Federation in Los Angeles? I thought I did. They are on the Federation, but they go to work every day, and they, uh, they're servicing their members where Mr. Herrera is not, and that's what his members say. Okay. Mr. Herrera, do you have a response to that? Oh, certainly. He had three jobs before. He was uh, the car hall director. He ran his local union. He had the joint council also. So that's the hypocrisy that you're going to hear today. And it's all going to be personal attacks. But it's okay. He doesn't know my members. All he has to do is go on Facebook and see where the heck I'm at. It's real simple. My members are 396 members. They certainly, he's not the principal officer of my local union. He wouldn't know anything about the ethnicity, the culture, and... Uh, okay. So I get 30 seconds to respond. Yes, you do. So I do, I do know his members. I know them very well. In fact, I won his local union in the last election. I know them very well, and those members are very aggravated that you are off doing other things and you gave up your loyalty to the Teamsters to, to, to have them somewhere else. Okay, thank you. The well, next question, um, Sam. Mr. Mr. Zuckerman. Thanks. I'd like to direct this question to Mr. Zuckerman, um, picking up on the thread about broader support from the international for strikes and other strategic activity. Um, in recent years, the union has, of course, announced some expansion of the strike benefits and um, indicated interest in shoring up that resource. Um, however, of course, the last national strike was in 1997. As the union prepares to take on a multinational corporate giant like Amazon, could you speak to what changes you think need to be made um, in how the union approaches support for strikes um, to make that viable? Sure. We are already uh, discussing those changes as part of the O'Brien-Zuckerman slate. Uh, and big changes need to be made. In 2002, we had a special convention in Las Vegas. And in that special convention, we had allocated money for the Strike and Defense Fund and for uh, uh, a Strike and Defense Fund. So uh, that money was being used to uh, uh, take on organizing in a way that wasn't successful. Like I said in my opening statement, we've lost 300,000 members. We have to figure out how to do that better. And by doing it better, we need to engage the local unions, which we haven't done in the past. You know, it's less expensive for us to engage the local unions, get everybody on board, and uh, fight those fights from the inside, not from the top down. It just doesn't work like that. It's been demonstrated like that uh, time and time again. Okay. Um, Responding, Mr. Well, he does a lot of talking with his slate, but he doesn't have anything going on in his local union to his own uh, uh, he put out a, a statement that Amazon uh, was too big and that there, were too, there was too much turnover and they had to walk away and it would take a multi-union approach to, you know, get that done. I agree with that point. But you do that through the CLCs and the federations because you have to create partnerships, but how do you get them comprehensive leverage campaigns, right? You need politics. You educate your members. You create volunteer programs. And you build multi-union uh, alliances. 
coalitions, collaboratives, that's what does it. You just don't come up here and not have a plan and say we're talking about it with the slate. You actually do things. Okay, Mr. Zuckerman. So, I never said that. Never said it was too big to take on. I've taken on Amazon in my backyard and have had year-long, two-year-long campaigns. I got two of my full-time organizers here tonight that have taken those campaigns on. As far as organizing, their slate, their guys, at least half of them, are failures. They can't even organize in their own local unions, never mind organize at the international level, level or be advocates on the general executive board to organize because they just don't know how to do it. In my local union, we're organizing. Amazon is the big gorilla out there. Everybody recognize that and we have to have a comprehensive plan to attack Amazon and it has to be done. We cannot sit back and not do it. Okay, I have a question I want to follow up for Mr. Herrera. Is taking on Amazon with a strike possible? Uh, if you want to have a the criticism of the effort in Alabama was that they only went on after one local. Don't you really have to have a national effort against the Amazon? Most definitely. You have to run a national campaign without a doubt. And you have to have national leaders. Uh, Julie Sue and Marty Walsh are those leaders put in a perfect place for us to do things like this. But we have to fight misclassification as well because their logistical side is misclass, their owner operators. and, and mm. Uh, it's something that, that's uh, very important that we do do that. Striking them, I think that that's going to be difficult unless we have a plan. We have a plan in place to the international through a director, my brother Randy Corrigan. We just follow that plan, all of us, not get out there. You know, he says he's, in the, he's uh, organizing, but our success is going to be if we're all in it together and we follow the international and, and brother Corrigan's plan. Okay. Um, I think I have the next question, for, and I think it's Mr. Herrera's turn. Um, what's your evaluation of the union under Hoffa, and what would you do differently? Also, the union has been divided for many of the last years by two sides. Can the differences be forgiven? Can enemies, political enemies within the union, learn to work together? Can alliances be formed between um, different groups? I think they can. I definitely think they can. I'm not going to stand up here and preach unification and uh, not practice it. Uh, is it going to be difficult? Yes. But we have to stop using politics, whether it's in a contract negotiation, whether it's a vote no, whether it's I didn't get to get picked to become vice president like him because we picked you know, Vice President Buell. We just have to put all that aside. We have to put personalities aside. We have to put, you know, the politics aside and move forward as a union. Pride, loyalty, respect. That's what this is about. Uh, as far as the Hoffa administration, obviously there's always going to be critics to it. You know, a lot of good things have happened. The Teamsters Union uh, never ever talked about uh, uh, immigration reform. Mr. Hoffa brought that to front and center. We lobbied Capitol Hill on it, right? Uh, I was arrested for it a couple of times uh, protesting it. So there's a lot of good that has come out. Our finances are solid. Uh, it's interesting because 15 of the members of the other slate are on the Hoffa payroll. So I don't know if he's referring to his people or not. And three more people of those 15, 18 in total, received stipends from the international. 
Mr. Zuckerman, your, your reply? Yeah, so obviously that they were very dissatisfied with the Hoffa administration because we were able to unite them under the leadership of Sean O'Brien, and that's the main focus of our campaign, is to unite this union with everybody that wants to be united and create a stronger international union. It's very important that we do that, although that there's some people that just won't do it. They want to go around and create division by telling stories about pensions and, and God knows whatever. It doesn't really matter, but that's exactly what we're trying to do is to unite the union because we are stronger by doing that. One other point that I have to make that's important is that we need to clean up our own house first if we're going to organize. We have to have something to offer. Thank you the people that we're trying to organize with results like we've had over the last 23 Thank years. You. Sorry. Please. Yes. Joel. Um, this is a question from the audience. For the last 30 years, and this is for Mr. Zuckerman, the IBT has been subject to federal oversight. Hoffa petitioned and the federal government agreed to end the oversight. If elected, you would assist in one of the first conventions post-federal oversight. What, if anything, would you change in the Constitution at that convention? I would have done it a long time ago. In fact, in my last campaign, we talked about this. We need to clean up our own house and show people that we can do it by ourselves. We failed to do that. You know, we just had a general executive board not long ago where uh, their mentor, Roma Lois, uh, was being charged again after he had served a two-year suspension for violating uh, the order of the judge. Now, it was a 12 to 11 vote to just impose a 30-day suspension where he had already served a two-year suspension and admitted that he violated the judge's order. Now, had my opponent did the right thing and came over to our side, we could have corrected our own problem at that time. Or their candidate for general president could have voted. It would have been 12 to 11 the other way, and we would have fixed our own corruption problem with regard to Rome Lois. But we failed to do that. That's got to stop. We need to police ourselves. We need to show the outside world that we can run our own business absent of the federal government before anybody's going to release us to do anything. Okay, thank you. Uh, Mr. Herrera, can you also answer his uh, claim or his point that you voted... Uh not um, to take action against Mr. Alois? Hypocrisy at its finest, okay? Uh, my mentors first were uh, Larry Diaz and Bob Morales, and I'm proud of that, out of Local 7 and Local 350. Uh, but I want to read something that uh, Mr. Zuckerman said. Any officer who commits a crime against them, the membership needs to be thrown out of the union. When I am gen elected general president, I will see to it. Now you got another guy that's a little bit corrupt up here in Boston, Massachusetts, and there's a lot of them. But you've got Sean O'Brien up there. Didn't do anything. Just talks a lot, right? His own slate. All you guys that are running on his slate, careful, man, you can't trust this guy because this is what he said about my brother Sean. So, uh, you know, as far as the, the Roma Lois thing goes, he's running against me. And he's, he's clouded the water with Roma Lois and all these, this, you know, uh, hypotheticals on, on charges and stuff, but he comes out and actually says something about the person that he's running with. And I defended him at the time he said it. 
So I think that we got to look at what's going on, the real, the truth, right, of what's really going on here. Because I got more than what he said about him. You, do you want to answer that, Mr. Zuckerman? Um, he's, you know, his, his response that uh, you had criticized. I, I, would, uh, I would like to answer that and be allotted the extra time that he took, too, because it will take just a little bit of time to answer it accurately. Well, let's work it through, but let's be precise. Yeah. So how many have seen that video? Raise your hands up in the crowd. How many have seen that video? where these things were said. There's not a lot of people in the room that's seen the video. I've seen it many times. I've analyzed the video. Here's what it says. Sean O'Brien is a very loyal and passionate person. He was at a campaign rally for his friend Joe Barrows, who was running for local union election. He had made some comments during his statements, and the comments that are relevant were, they are not our friends. They need to be punished. They need to be punished. And that is a quote, okay? So now you have to figure out what they need to be punished means. If it had meant that I am going to use my authority as a principal officer, a joint council officer, or a vice president to punish this guy, he deserved to get kicked out of the union. But that's not what it said. And let me tell you something about his opponent. His opponent actually won the election. His name is Matt Taby. Does a great job up there in Providence, Rhode Island. He won the election, and Sean embraced that. He put him on as an advisory trustee to the Joint Council and put him on our slate because of the work that he's doing up there in Rhode Island. So if he meant that he was going to punish him, it sure didn't look like that. Okay, thank you. We're running tight. I think that's my, um, Sam, is your turn? Um, this question is for Mr. Herrera. I'd like to zoom out a little bit um, to the national political level um, and return to what you raised earlier about building political power with the union. Um, the Teamsters and, of course, other allies in organized labor have pushed the Biden administration and other members of Congress on a number of major labor priorities, including, of course, the Protecting the Right to Organize Act, um, other labor reform legislation, um, pro-labor and labor-centric trade deal reform, uh, and more, as well as broad support for other uh, major Democratic priorities. However, we are seeing the results this week going on in Congress, uh, of course, uh, of many of these major priorities that were early commitments in President Biden's agenda being stalled out. Could you speak to um, your views on whether and how the union should do more to hold elected officials accountable when they fail to ultimately support the passage of major labor priorities? Well, you shouldn't have to lobby someone that you endorse first, right? And you have to maintain a relationship with them. You just can't get them elected and then let them go. You have to continue. That's what we do, right? You, can, you have to continually conversate with them. You have to con continually check in with them. Our congressional uh, folks in, in my area, we, you know, we have coffee. Uh, U.S. Uh, Senator Alex Padilla and I have breakfast together you know, about every six months. Uh, if you asked him, he would tell you. But that's what you got to do. You have to maintain relationships. And you have to always let them know what your positions are on different legislation. You have to let them know what you're thinking. You have to let them know, you know, that the union is the one that got them there. But that you have to build uh, voting density within the, the labor movement. I mean, I'm being criticized for, you know, being the president of the Los Angeles County Federation of Labor. It's the most powerful federation in the country. And I got this guy... 
criticizing me for it, and my whole work is around unions. How do you do those jobs? You put everything in one bucket, and it's called the labor movement. And politics and, and maintenance of, of politics is in that bucket. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, may I response? I'm not, I'm not criticizing my opponent for the job that he does at the Los Angeles County Federation of Labor. I'm criticizing my opponent for not doing his job for the Teamsters. That's what's important. Sean and I have talked about this extensively, and we both agree that we need to ramp up our political uh, outlook on things because that's probably one of the most important things that we need to do. We need to get politicians on our side. And we are going to work very hard to make sure that that happens. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican, Independent. It doesn't matter. If you're going to support the causes, the causes that are important to us, we're going to hold you accountable to that support, and we're going to make sure that we get that support when we need it to, to uh, take care of the business that we need to take care of. Okay. Thank you. I think my, um, my next question is for Mr. Harara, correct? Um, Mr. Mr. Zuckerman, I apologize. The Teamsters Union is known as Truckers and the Warehouse Union, but the number of union truckers has dropped from 48% in 1979 to 8.8% .8 in 2019. Would you, what would you do differently to build the core industries of the union, the core areas? And then also, um, what would you do um, to deal with the question of the union has organized a large number of workers outside of these core industries. Is that a mistake? Is it a mistake to reach out to uh, jobs and, and industries that don't have anything to do with the union's legacy? I spoke on this when I ran for general president five years ago, and I still believe that it's true. We have lost density in our core industries, such as freight, such as warehousing, such as uh, uh, construction, uh, every other industry that's very, very vital and important. When those standards drop, our members get harmed. And the standards drop because we're always competing against non-unions because we're not out there organizing. So our priority is to organize in the core industries, particularly in industries like construction, trucking, warehouse. I mean, that's where we built everything. To go outside of those core industries, that's fine. Anybody wants to be organized should be organized. But we have to focus on rebuilding the Teamsters Union first. And like I said before, so we have something that we can offer people when we go out and organize outside of our core industries. We can tell them that we're doing a very good job. We can tell them that we're organizing people, negotiating good contracts, negotiating good benefits for their retirement security, good benefits for their health care, and those things. So organizing is a priority for me in in our core industries. Okay, thank you very much, Mr. Herrera. How would you respond? Also, if I'm correct, uh, Steve Verma was the head of the, has been the head of the warehouse division, so we have a history to look at, correct? Yes. I'm a trade unionist. I want to, I want to organize everybody. I'm not going to, you know, discriminate against any worker that wants to join the Teamsters Union. I love the Teamsters Union. I'm a loyal Teamster. I came up in a union family. If there's undocumented workers that want to join the Teamsters, man, I'm going to be the first one in line to, to organize them. Uh, our core industries, of course, right? Uh, misclassification, though, is the key. We have to fight misclassification, which we are, we're doing right now in California. We, uh, Governor Newsom just signed a, a, 
a bill to help uh, organize uh, misclassified workers and push them into employee status. But, you know, we're organizing in the core, but he doesn't organize in the core. He was the warehouse director, director and didn't organize okay. one car hauler. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Wait. This is a question for Mr. Herrera. Do I get uh, to respond to that? Sorry. Oh, yes, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't understand me being the warehouse director. I've never been the warehouse director. And car we have, hall, you know what I meant. And we have organized, what, no, I, you said warehouse director. Well, okay, I meant car hall. And uh, that's exactly what you said. I know what you said. Uh, but we have organized in car hall. You know, in Local 89, car hall is very important to my local because we have the biggest car hall local union in the country. We are very strong in car hall. We got three assembly plants, two Ford plants, one General Motors Corvette plant, and two large railheads. And there's not one non-union truck or mechanic or yard worker or office person that comes into Local 89's jurisdiction without being organized. Now, that's different in Southern California because there are no organized car hauls under the national contract anywhere in Southern California because the Western Region Vice President has ignored our core industries, ignored car hall in Southern California. And let me tell you why it's important to me. It's because my people from Bowling Green, Kentucky haul Corvettes out to Southern California. And when we get out there, we can't get loads coming back because everything's non-union out there. You need to start taking care of your business in the Western region before you start criticizing everybody else of being a warehouse director and, you need to and stop not, and not organizing local in car okay, You better you. stop insulting Local 63. I didn't insult Local did 63. So. I said the so. Western region you vice president. So. A Western Thank region you, vice president is in Understand? charge of that area. Sorry. This, this is for Mr. Herrera. I'm sorry. Um, UPS executives require that all employees at corporate headquarters be vaccinated, mm -hmm. but they don't require the same protections for frontline workers, what they call the people who work in warehouses and who interact with the public. What do you think the Teamsters' role should be in protecting the health of its members? As if you were elected as a Teamsters official, would you advocate that the company protect all employees, not just those in executive suites, by requiring everyone on the front lines to be vaccinated? I think that. Well, to be honest, I think uh, both our slates have kind of, you know, understand that that uh, vaccinations are important. Look, I'm vaccinated. I want every single member, I want every single worker to be vaccinated. Uh, but it, it's, it's a, a, a choice that's going to happen. Legislation will determine it. But both of us agree, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, I, I heard Brother Sean and Brother Steve talk about it, that we both agree that there has to be mandatory subject of bargaining for our members. Okay. Thank you. The response? Yeah, I, I agree. I, uh, I'm vaccinated three times, as a matter of fact. Got my third one on August the 18th, which is very important to me. And I certainly want to protect our members, but I also understand that our members have rights under collective bargaining agreements, which means that the company just can't come in there and fire you for not being vaccinated, that it is a mandatory subject to bargaining and they have to bargain through it. Every situation is going to be a little bit different. That's why it's important to sit down with the companies and bargain over it because, you know, they want to accomplish the same things we want to accomplish and there could be middle ground in there to where we can, you know, come to a resolution on the, uh, on the problem rather than a company just jumping up and saying, if you don't do it, and if you don't do it my way, we're just going to terminate you. Thank you very much. Okay. 
Uh, this question is for Mr. Zuckerman first. Um, to pick up on another topic on which there seems to be broad agreement between the two slates, um, in the presidential forums we heard pretty conclusively from your running mates that uh, you view the advancement of autonomous vehicle technology as a major threat uh, and challenge for the Hi, Teamsters everybody. in the future, um, as well as a safety hazard, of course, for consumers and the general public. Um, there seemed to be broad agreement on that, but could you speak a little more to what you think is the first thing that should be done or the highest priority to actually um, make sure that Teamsters jobs are protected or that the appropriate regulations are enforced in this industry? Yeah, so it creates a problem for everybody, particularly the our members, the motoring public, everybody else. You know, you've seen these uh, crashes with Tesla cars. They just get out of control and nobody can tell anybody right now whether or not they're going to have failures like that which are going to go out and run over school bus or whatever, right? So, you know, we're way too early in this thing to uh, say that we can even consider these things without knowing uh, the safety hazards and, uh, uh, and everything else. And, and, of course, they're taking our jobs away, and we're going to do everything we can to protect our jobs. I'll leave that open to you. Okay. You want to follow up? I've been educating my members on autonomous vehicles and platooning Hi, for the it's last me. five Mickey years. Mouse. I called in the health and safety department of the IBT to do a seminar for my members to let them understand what could happen. But again, you have to have a state plan first. You have to monitor what state laws are being allowed to run these vehicles. And then you have to take it in the, you know, the federal side of things. Again politics to protect your members, but autonomous vehicles uh, are amongst us and a big threat right now. Hi, everybody. It's me, okay. Mickey Mouse. Um, this question is for Mr. Um, Harara. And again, I want to follow up on the issue of organizing. The union has faced two distinct battles dealing with companies opposed to unions. It has struggled for years to organize workers at XPO and only recently won contracts for two sites while other unions have decertified the union. It's also sought for some time to organize port drivers, which you know much about, in Southern California, with no significant success. How will the campaign at Amazon differ? And won't the, these failures taint the effort in the eyes of workers as far as the potential for the uh, union to um, organize them? Yeah. I heard that uh, uh, my, brother, my little brother from Boston hey, had started an Amazon campaign around 18 months ago and was criticizing the international for not starting it 10 years ago. But in our joint council, we don't wait for anyone. Joint Council 42 has been on this uh, for the last four or five years. Uh, we have, in my local union, we've been doing it for the last three years. But I don't think that it does. Because the program that sets in, play, in place is one of educating our members and tearing down contracts of, you know, that we have in the Teamsters, we don't need union busters. We have people like Fred here to do it for us. But we have to continue to educate our members. That's the big giant. That's the, 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 the company that it has to be uh, uh, organized without a doubt. So education of members, creating volunteer programs, and other things that you can do to find out what's going on uh, inside that company. Hi, 
I wonder if you could answer my question about the port drivers, one of the largest. The port drivers, uh, uh, I, I just came into the ports about two years ago, changed the whole dynamics of the way the port works, and I'm more uh, worker-oriented. It's predominantly Hispanic, it's predominantly minority, and we're doing a lot of communications through what we call a cafecito and a Teamster outreach, right? We're, we're talking to them. I think that, you know, uh, port drivers must, through misclassification, get uh, organized. Let me tell you why. You have a few seconds. 86% of Amazon product comes in through the ports of Long Beach and Los Angeles. Okay. And the uh, maquiladores at the border, we have American companies doing business in Mexico with independent contractors coming through. We cannot let the organizing efforts of the ports go because of Amazon, because the ports is Amazon. Okay, thank you, Mr. Yeah, so what the numbers reflect, the 300,000 members that we've lost, the 178 local unions that we've lost during this term, demonstrate that we're doing something wrong. Uh, you mentioned the XPO contract, or the XPO organizing drive. That demonstrates that we've done something wrong. The port campaign, we've been on that for many, many, many years, spent a ton of money on it. We have gotten nowhere with it. You know, Amazon just built a hub, an air hub in Cincinnati, Ohio, at the Cincinnati airport that's just now opening up. It's got 107 plane locations, and it's going to be about the size of Worldport in Louisville, Kentucky. Right now, in 2002, we agreed. Okay, finish the point. Yeah, in 2002, we agreed to raise the members' dues money and to fund these projects. And we're not funding any projects. If we are funding the projects, we're not demonstrating that we're getting anywhere with it because we keep coming up here and saying, you know, we started on that four years ago, but we're not done yet. We started on this two years ago, we're not done yet. We started on this 10 years ago, we're still working on it, but there are no results. There's no excuses in this business. In this business, there's no excuses and you gotta get the job done and we're gonna get it done. Next question, Joel. This is for Mr. Zuckerman. The 2018 UPS contract has been a major point of contention between the Teamsters United and Teamsters Power Slates. But the last time that a Teamster battle at UPS inspired the labor movement and made real gains for the part-time workers was the 1997 UPS strike led by Ron Carey. What is the legacy of that strike and Ron Carey's leadership for you? And does it provide a model about how to fight UPS in the next contract battle? Well, what's important is that we should not be uh, intimidated by taking on a big company like UPS. Actually, the last battle was in 2013 when three supplements were rejected and the International Union imposed them on us. What we have done in 2013 and 2018 is we have shown these big companies we're not willing to take on a fight. We've got to change that. We have got to show them that we are willing to take on a fight every day. One of the things that Sean and I got accomplished at the convention is to eliminate the two-thirds rule, so you can't do that anymore. We'll either go back to negotiations or we're going to strike it, one or the other. We uh, cut back the, uh, the, the strike benefits to the first day rather than day eight because we have got to support the people that are willing to take on a fight to better their lives. We've got to be out there with them and we've got to support them. Thank you. He forgot negotiating committees too with rank and file on it. But I already do that. So, um, look, 
1997 strike, I'm a 24-year rank and file. I walked that picket line with the two-year-old granddaughter. I know what it's like. That was about worker empowerment. That was all that was is uniting the workforce. But Ken Hall, let's get the record straight, Ken Hall negotiated that contract in 1997. We just have to stop this fighting, stop the bashing of our contract, and start internal organizing our workers. We are family. We are brothers and sisters. It's why we call each other brother. It's why we call each other sister. And that's very, very important. Because I can tell you from experience, I walked that line. The crux of our victory was the membership. And that we stayed united amongst the belief that we could prevail as a unit, a ground unit. So I walked that picket line too. I was there in 1997. I wasn't a UPSer. I was a business agent at the time. We have a very large air hub. But I can tell you this. We will continue to oppose contracts that are selling out the members. We will continue to call out cowards that want to impose the contract and not stand up for the members. That's what we stand for. We're going to stand side by side with the members. And if it's a subcontracting problem, that takes place, we are going to stand there until it gets fixed. If it's a 22-4 problem and they'll be gone the next contract, they're going to get fixed too. We're going to be there and we're going to be very militant. You know, one of their candidates, Josh Zivilek, who's got a business agent on social media, says we don't need a militant union. Yes, we do. That's exactly what we want. They want the business model union where they can just get along with the company. That's not us. We're going to fight for the members every day. It doesn't mean that we're going to be nuts about it, right? But we're going to make sure that the employers recognize that we're in the room and we're there to get a good contract and we're not walking away until we get it. Thank you. I want to follow the question. Mr. Rarey, you, you talk about we have to stop criticism. That sounds to me, if what I hear him correctly, you don't want any, you don't want any uh, dissidents or any, any discussions within the union. Is that what you're saying? I'm a dissident. Hmm. I get arrested for workplace actions, right? I stick up for Latina cooks at LAX. I get arrested for temporary permanent status. That's militancy. I'll go to jail for my workers and my blood for what I believe in. I'm not saying that. But you have distinct, he's confusing things because you have distinct regions of the world where my members in, in uh, the West Coast ratified the contract above 60%. Why? Because we do have an eight hour guarantee. He doesn't. We, we do have uh, uh, a, a five-day consecutive work day. He doesn't, right? We have $50 million in our pension fund. We don't have a straight you know, uh, uh, amount of money. And he's going to blame Ken Hall for taking, this, taking the central states out of the pension. I've heard the whole thing. But the important thing to know is that you know, our members have unlimited health care when they retire. Right? For $300 a month for, for their family. So there's a lot of differences in you know, our contracts. But, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a good brother if uh, they happen to win, but I think that the Verma Herrera ticket, the Teams for Power State, is going to win. I'll more than, you know, talk to my brothers in the West Coast and come to over to Louisville and negotiate his contract for them. Thank you. Hey, yeah, so he's not a good brother when he stands up here and he lies about stuff, right? We do have an eight-hour guarantee. 
We do have a five-day work week. We have all of those things. Okay. His problem is he didn't stand up for his UPSers when he should have. He should have stood up for him in 2018 when Sean O'Brien and I stood up, rejected the contract to get the subcontracting problem instead of going back to Southern California and whining about it. That was all politics. Uh, Thank you. Uh, all politics. Get ready to this question is for uh, Mr. Herrera first. Um, returning to the conversation about membership uh, and organizing generally, um, some of the biggest gains in union membership in recent years have been among younger workers under 40. Um, while there is still an overall decline in union density for this age group, nationally there's clearly a lot of, uh, of energy there in particular. Um, could you speak a bit to the case that you would make or what changes need to be made for how the union approaches younger workers and makes the case to workers under 40 that they need the union and that they need uh, the Teamsters, especially given that you know um, younger workers are more likely to be adversely impacted by tiered systems and contracts um, and are you know, have to wait longer, of course, to realize uh, many of the benefits that the Teamsters push for. It goes back to internal Everybody, organizing, but me. we do that Mickey already Mouse. in my local union. We still have membership oath meetings where we call our, our members in. Unfortunately, COVID, you know, has affected that, but uh, we had one about a month and a half ago, uh, and it's very, very important. We talk about, you know, their benefits. We talk about their contract, right? We give them a contract. We introduce them to their business agent. So it's a, it's a fundamental uh, union practice that, you know, I want to share with my brothers and sisters throughout the country that's been successful here. My business agents are young, right, a, a good portion of them, because we know that we have to relate to them. In the Federation, it's one of the programs that we have is to reach out to young workers, because we know that like undocumented workers and immigrant workers that we can organize, we also can organize young workers. But, you know, we're, we're telling them all the values of, of being part of a union. But it's very Everybody important. hits me. Okay. Mickey Mouse. And Mrs. Hey, Zuckerberg, reply? So I agree that we need to train the younger workers. And, uh, younger workers, uh, and uh, sometimes it takes younger workers to do that. We are doing that. On our slate, we have a great group of young elected leaders such as Lindsey Doherty and Peter Finn and uh, Mark Davison, Juan Campos right here from 705, a young guy that's doing tremendous work, uh, Tom Erickson up at 120 and Matt Maney or uh, Matt and as importantly Sean O'Brien and one of the things that Sean does in his local union he's got what's called the futures program and the Futures program is to gather these folks less than 40 years old, and they meet regularly, they shadow business agents, they help on organizing drives, and they do all those things to communicate to the younger people. And that's one of the programs that's going to be carried over in our administration when we take Thank over. Thank you. I have a, I have a follow-up. I, I assuming creating leadership among young workers is one way you'll overcome the tremendous uh, disinterest of, of uh, members in voting in the last con in the last election is that what you're talking about it's exactly I right yeah we got we got to engage the younger workers to get them engaged and uh, they they actually talk better to the other younger workers and it gets them engaged and then it just snowballs on down and it's very effective okay um, this is uh, for mr. Zuckerman um, and my question is the Teamsters are one of the leaders of the movement to split the AFL-CIO, to leave the AFL-CIO and join the new Change to Win organization. But since then, that organization has lost a tremendous amount 
of membership and unions. Will you rejoin the AFL-CIO? And can labor succeed? That's the ultimate question here. Can labor succeed in these terribly difficult times with two competing organizations? So Change to Win has been an absolute disaster. It was to organize people. Of course, I told you the numbers. We're down 300,000, right? It didn't work. The AFL-CIO, leaving the AFL-CIO uh, on a personal note, I think that it was a mistake because we need to work with all labor unions to achieve what we need to do in the, uh, in the labor community. I will tell you this, the, to rejoin the AFL-CIO will be a decision that is made by the General Executive Board, not just me. I would be a proponent of it, but uh, you know, it's going to be the decision of the General President and the General Executive Board. Okay, thank you. Mr. Herrera, what's your response? Oh, I'm definitely a proponent <laughs> to uh, joining the Hi, AFL. Everybody. Of course we it's have me. to uh, vote it through our Executive Board. That's just process. Uh, but, you know, we need all the help we can get. We need uh, to stop Mitch McConnell and, and help uh, Fred here, uh, help him stop destroying pensions and worker rights. So I think it's very, very important that we pull our resources together so we can fight together. It's very, very important, especially Amazon. Amazon, you know, has to be taken on. And the only way that we're going to do it, and I think he and I agree, is a multi-union approach. Everybody, Yeah, I certainly reject his uh, comment about me destroying pensions. It's actually his candidate for general president that's been destroying pensions. I didn't you know, say in his you. local I said union. Mitch McConnell. Is in his local union. Well, you mix your words up. In his local union, okay, he Mitch. has taken six companies out of pension plans and put them into 401ks. Now, retirement security for teamsters is extremely important. And we need to be in pension funds. He also took Kroger out of Central States and assisted Kroger to sue the trustees of the Central States plan because they wouldn't give them back the withdrawal liability. Okay. That's their candidate, not ours. The difference between the two plans right now, between the Kroger plan and the Central States plan, is 50%. The accrual rate for the Kroger plan is $85. The accrual rate for the Central States plan is $163. Do you want to answer that point that he made specifically, that you had taken in, uh, some, uh, some workers out of a pension plan and put them in a 401 that, that's That Hi, is everybody. not true at all. Hi, I mean, I was what, talking about what we everybody. should talk about yes, is him not you know, uh, being a supporter of the Butch Lewis Act. It just saved our pensions and signed on to the UPS plan because that called for 20% uh, cuts for our retirees. But there was another proviso in there, and that was to our local unions. There was a $2 per member sanction. So a 10,000 10, member local would have had to pay the government $20,000 a month. In my local union, that means I have to lay business agents off. So that's the real uh, you know, issue here. Yeah, I'd like to take my time to respond to that. Sure, quickly. If I could, because that is an outright lie. I don't know where you got that, but when the Teamsters first held the, uh, the rally in Washington, D.C., I brought busloads of people up there. I was the one that testified against the Butch Lewis Act. I was the one that hired professionals to write a paper to uh, MPRA or M MRPA to, uh, to reject the cuts in central states. I was the one that financially supported the pension rights uh, system. The 
the proposal from the UPS plan wasn't a plan. It was just something that was being talked about. It was cuts up to 20%. They were trying to figure out how to solve the problem because at the time we had a Republican president and a Republican Congress and they were not interested in Butch Lewis. It was something that we were willing to consider and 99% of the officers, including Roma Lois, who sat right across from me, approved that plan to go forward okay. where Hoffa wouldn't approve Thank you very much. Joe? Um, this is a question from the audience uh, for Mr. Herrera. Your slate thinks the UPS 22.4 language is good language. Why do you feel 22.4 UPS uh, drivers deserve $6 an hour less than the top rate? That's not a true statement, so there must Everybody, be a, someone me. from the audience at his supporter. We never said that. We uh, supported 22.4, and I don't really want to bash the authors of it up here because you know, they're on his slate and they happen to, happen to be friends of mine. Uh, but uh, let me tell you a story. I have a father in, in my local everybody. union, right, who has three Thank sons you know. that are 22-4. And he can't believe that his sons are full-time. And one of those sons is going to get promoted. Uh, we, in my local union, promote into 22-4 in one year. One year of seniority gets you into a full-time position. I wasn't... Uh, uh, a supporter of it, uh, but I also think that we have to amend that or get it out. But we also have to compete in Saturday Sunday deliveries. We can't forget okay, that. Everybody, that's me. Thank Mickey you, Mouse. Well, he's just wrong about that. His candidate for general president said up here on a stage that they thought it was a great contract. His candidate in the no, eastern no, region. Didn't. In local 331 stated publicly that the 22-4s were a good thing and they need to stay. We reject that. The 22-4s should have been regular package car drivers because that's the work that they're doing now. The only difference between a regular package car driver today and a 22-4 is that they get paid less and they don't have any protections under the contract. Okay. The work still needs to be done. They still had to hire package car drivers. We rejected, Sean and I started the vote no movement because that was a mistake. Okay. Everybody realized it was a mistake. Um, I, this is for Mr. Zuckerman. Yeah. A question for Mr. Zuckerman, um, returning again to the question of kind of national political accountability. Um, how would you balance uh, talking about the successes of the Biden administration and the current Congress in terms of the multi-employer pension plan, uh, in terms of um, OSHA, strengthened OSHA enforcement uh, and other provisions that may be able to pass, um, and balance that with what might be differing political opinions among the broad membership of the Teamsters. Well, the Biden administration has done a lot of good things. One of them is to uh, appoint uh, Secretary of Labor from Boston, Marty Walsh, who was just in Louisville a couple of weeks ago visiting one of our UPS hubs and talking to our UPS members, which is very important. They're engaged in, uh, in labor, uh, in supporting the issues that we need. We need to expand on that. We need to go further than that. And when we take office, we're going to uh, use whatever friends we have up there to continue to build those relationships up there, to continue to move in that direction, because that's very important to us. Any response to that? I guess they're going to be calling me because the last three weeks I was on stage speaking with the vice president and the president. But uh, and as far as, uh, you know, this is about freedom of choice. 
You know, you, you can't take freedom of choice away from the, your members, right? We can, you know, uh, both sides can, pre can preach the, the good of the Biden administration, right? Kamala Harris happens to be a personal friend of mine, okay? Uh, but we still have to respect our members and we have to respect their freedom of choice. We don't want to uh, alienate them, thus, you know, affecting our union. Okay. Um, Hi, everybody. This is for it's Mr. Me, Herrera. Mickey My Mouse. question is, there seem to be many areas where the Teamsters can grow. FedEx, for example. Um, and also, uh, Amazon's new use of last-minute delivery. Amazon is developing a whole fleet um, of, of, of drivers through contractors where it's offloading the responsibility. And lastly, I guess my question is, we often talk here talk about the white paper contracts. Why doesn't the Teamsters bargain nationally and yet leave it up locally to make the local issues? So again, these are three areas where I would see there be growth, but I wonder what's happening. On the, on the Amazon issue, we have a national strategy. In fact, in my local union, not his, and in Local 25, I'll give my little brother from Boston credit, they have a, a serious campaign going on like me, but it's being directed out of Southern California and my brother, Randy Corrigan, Hi, and our joint council who created the foundation for it. Hi, but I think that uh, on, the, on the FedEx, they're in the Railway Act, and you know what it's like to have to deal with the Railway Act. Uh, but the third party uh, transportation companies that deliver Amazon product, you know, we, we have to go after them, but not yet. We have to have a comprehensive plan to do all this. We just don't want to, you know, attack one, one unit and then try to get a contract. It's not, it's not going to happen. So uh, the uh, app-based uh, logistics that they use for a national orbit uh, is misclassed. So, so even, even, if I may, I'll, fin I'll tighten it right up. Even if, you know, critics of the ports, and I haven't been there that long, but even critics of the ports, that ports division has to stay in because of the fight against misclass and, and the usage of misclassified drivers and app-based uh, by Amazon. So if I hear you correctly, you're saying because FedEx is controlled by the Railway Labor Act, they can't be organized? I didn't say that. I said they, they can, but it's going to be a lot more difficult. And why haven't the teams gone after without the... the uh, control of the major shipping companies, you lose strength. There has been There has been some local unions that have gone after them. Okay. Your response? Under the National Labor Rela or National Railway Labor Act, you have to get the entire group nationwide. So it's a nationwide effort to do that. Uh, you know, I have already cited the failures of the international union in organizing, but that's only because it's, it's our failure. We need to do things better. We have not supported the local unions like we're supposed to do. You know, there's a lot of local unions out there that have a lot of targets, a lot of real good organizing uh, places where they can go and get things organized, and we're not helping them. And we need to do that. We've got the money to do that. We've got the experience to do that. All we need to do is go to work and make sure that we support these local unions to get the organizing done. In trucking, in warehouse, in any industry, in construction, they're all out there. It's just that we haven't been doing it, and we need to do it. You have a reaction to that? Yeah, that, that's a, FedEx is that's a, a very tough company to look at, and definitely. Hey, but me. we need Mickey to go Mouse. after them, without a doubt. But Amazon is the key. Okay. Um, there's been a lot of talk recently about uh, how 
the Republican Party is sort of waging a war on factual-based knowledge and um, democracy. And you've talked about the importance of educating members. What do you think the labor movement's role is in the wider political discussion about uh, the, the sort of attacks on uh, democratic institutions that appear to be an organized strategy of uh, the Republican Party, realizing, of course, that your members, you know, some of them voted for the GOP. And so how do you play, work with that tension and what do you do? Sure. So, uh, you know, it's, it's very difficult to get that message across, but it's all about education. It's about education, bringing the members in, talking to them, uh, having a good communications department, uh, explaining why it's important for us to support the people that's going to support us and not tear us down, right? The Republican Party right now is all over the place. Uh, they can't get along with themselves most of the time, you know, and certainly they're against labor. You know, I brought that point up a while ago. We could have never gotten anything passed with Republican President and Republican Congress because those two senators in Georgia got elected, and God bless them, right? We were able to save the pensions of all of the people that were in underfunded pension plans. So that is the kind of message that people need to be educated on, is that we need to take care of the people, engage the people, and educate our people on why that's important. Do you have a reply? Oh, I certainly do. My local union is the highest contributor to our federal PAC. My people in Local 396 and my neighboring Local, local 63 are the highest uh, local unions in the country. My, my uh, uh, local is about a quarter of a million dollars a year contributions into our PAC. And, and politics, again, are very important. But it's about a union vote. It's about a union vote, creating a union vote, creating coalitions, creating collaboratives. In Los Angeles, we have Ports, uh, Ports Collaborative, we have an LAX Collaborative, we have an Entertainment Collaborative, I, we have an Education Collaborative. At Atlanta, a great, you know, example. HERE has its own pack and was on the ground with their members that were laid off from hospitality soliciting votes for those two uh, legislators. Oh, hi, everybody. It's me. A uh, question for Mr. Herrera. Um, we, of course, uh, have seen recent success in shoring up the security of pension plans. Could you speak to what you think is the next uh, target or goal or uh, obstacle or threat to retirement security for members? Organizing. Organizing new members into those pension plans. I think we probably both agree to that. It's very, very important. To, edu to educate, right, and organize into those, you know, get people into those, those uh, pension plans. The only way that a pension plan is going to flourish is, is through, uh, you know, uh, participation and uh, uh, people uh, belonging to a pension, you know, putting into it. So it's very important that uh, organizing happen to help our pension and plus possibly creating you know, a department of pensions in the IBT where we monitor, you know, the pensions that are out there that cover umbrella our members. Very, very important. I know uh, my brother Steve Verma has brought that up as one of the things that we want to do is to create a pension department to help and oversee pensions in our members because our members are the ones that are going to suffer if, uh, you know, there's a, a collapse in the pension plan. Hey, everybody. It's me, Mickey Mouse. I agree with that. Uh, 
I agree that we need to organize and put people into pension funds rather than taking them out like their slate does. Retirement security is of the utmost important to us. Now, let me tell you something about this new Butch Lewis Act. You know, it only goes for 30 years. Now, most of us won't be here 30 years from now. We'll be retired and enjoying our grandkids and doing those kind of things. But if we can't demonstrate that we can fix our own problems in that 30-year time span, I don't think anybody's going to give us another crack at it. We have got to get to work and shore those pension plans up to make sure that they are viable going past 30 years to however anybody wants, however long anybody wants to stay. Right. Let me just follow up on the question. Uh, under and a half of years, the Teamster pension became one of the worst in terms of funding. How can you assure um, members this won't continue to happen? Why wasn't there as much attention? Yes, the industry has been collapsing, but why did this take place? There's autonomy in those uh, pension plans. Trustees, both on the union side and the uh, company side, run those. Uh, it's not a function of the uh, international and Mr. Hoffa to oversee a pension plan. Uh, it's the trustees on those plans. It's their fiduciary responsibility to take care of their members. Uh, so I think that if we can uh, oversee it, right, just uh, check-ins, very, very important to do that moving forward. Because, you know, we don't want this to happen again. And, uh, you know, uh, Fred's right about the 30 years, but we got to continually keep working on it. We got 30 years to make it better. We got 30 years, you know, to pass better legislation. We got 30 years to build political power within our country uh, to get more pension reform to where our members are secured in their pension. You guys go to work every day, and you want to make sure when you do retire, you have monies in the bank to, you know, help you through your, you know, your retirement years. Hey, everybody. Okay. I have a um, question. Can, can I answer that? Sure, please? please. Thank you. So I disagree with my opponent about the roles of the trustees and the general president. The role of the trustees is to manage the fund. The general president negotiates the contract, which controls the money that goes into the fund. In 2006, the general president took UPS the part-timers and the full-timers, out of the central state's pension fund, paid off the withdrawal liability. They invested it, lost it in a down market, right? And that's one of the things, other than deregulation, that collapsed that fund. That's why they were in so much trouble. But they continued to do that. Steve Verma took Kroger out of the central state's fund, and the more participants you take out of that fund, as those retirees increase, you have a gap between that that's unrecoverable. You have to continue to put people into the fund, not take people out of the fund. Right here in Chicago, they took Republic Services out of the Central States Fund. You can't do that and continue to have a pension fund survive. We have got to put people back into the pension funds instead of what they do, take people out of pension funds. Do you have a quick response? Certainly. Uh, that wasn't the general president. It was our chairman of the negotiating committee. But hey, everybody. I was in the room but didn't get a vote. But hey, Mr. Everybody. Zuckerman had a vote. And I think that he voted to withdraw from uh, the central states. So uh, he also seconded a motion uh, to support the UPS plan uh, in a central region meeting. So I don't know if I'm the only one with the memory here, but... Uh, he seems to, you know, not be uh, 
saying what, what has been going on here. We always vote as a committee. Okay. No one ever, you know, does things on their own. <laughs> Everybody. Thank you. Let me By virtue of the Constitution, the general president is the chairman of all committees. Okay. So it was the general president that took UPS out of okay. the fund. So I have a question for you, Mr. Zuckerman. In yes. um, 2016, um, in one of the videos I saw, you severely criticized your, your running uh, colleague, saying that if you were president of the Teamsters at that time, you would have fired him for his actions against a uh, TDU member. Now, he has changed in the years since. If I'm a voting Teamster member, do I have faith that he really is a dissident, that he really is a, a person looking at change, or is he just, did he make a change for convenience? Um, I thought I explained that a minute ago, but I'll go through it again, okay? Are we, we are talking about Sean O'Brien? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So Sean O'Brien, like I said before, is a very passionate and loyal person. Mm -hmm. At that meeting where the video came out, right, he was supporting uh, an incumbent at Local 251 who was running for office again. And he was in a very impassioned speech where he said some words, and the words are, uh, they are not our friends, they need to be punished, they need to be punished, okay? Based on that, he had served as a suspension, okay? But if you look what happened, he, said, he didn't say, as principal officer of Joint Council 10, I'm going to do something bad to the guy. And he didn't say, you know, we're going to do, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm, they, they need to be punished, sort of like, you know, they need to be punished at the ballot box, right? So if you look at it further, right, nothing ever happened to Matt Taby. He brought Matt Taby in. He recognized that Matt Taby did a good job. He put him on as an advisory trustee to the Joint Council. He put him on our slate. He's running for Eastern Region Vice President on the O'Brien Zuckerman slate because he's doing a tremendous job in Providence, Rhode Island. So if you believe that Sean meant that he was gonna punish him some other way, that just didn't happen, Okay. right? Unlike what they did with Roma Lois. Mr. Herrera, what's your response? Any to officer who commits a crime against the membership needs to be thrown out. <laughs> I didn't say that he it's did. Me. I'm not here to bash my little brother from Boston. <laughs> I am not here to do it's that. Me. But he will side with anybody if there's political advantage <laughs> to it. And you mentioned it's the word me. TDU. He used to run around in his Harley with his license plate that said TDU sucks. But that didn't work, so now he has a new license plate that says Oz. That might not work this time because we're going to win, right? And he might have one that says Heaven knows what. Who wants to run with them next time? Certainly I don't. I guess my question, I'm a follow-up. You focused on, and you, you, you seem to feel that that incident was not a critical one. However, he was a high-ranking official in the Hoffa team for a number of years when TDU members suffered significantly, when decisions were made that you challenge. So I guess my question is, do, are we really convinced this is a change of conscience or a change of convenience? not a change of conscience or convenience. It's, uh, uh, it, it was a, a period of time where I got to look at all the facts. He said, we, he, or they need to be punished, but if you took the time that it took to look at the case, nothing ever happened. He didn't mean those words. It didn't happen. He never, ever, ever, ever retaliated against Matt Taby. He brought him in. He united with Matt Taby. He didn't retaliate or do anything bad to him. It didn't happen. 
And Mr. Herrera, quick uh, response. So I guess you can say anything you want to anybody in the room and then say I'm sorry and I might get <laughs> you know, elected it's General me. Secretary Treasurer. So, you know, forget about the violation of the Constitution. But how about O'Brien is such a tough guy, he didn't punish UPS, he punished the membership. He's inept he, and he imposed contract. Same guy here, right? Same guy here. Political advantage, political opportunist. Well, that's Everybody? what you did. It's okay, me. thank you. So, oh, you imposed the contract. I you said that. Two of them. I didn't. I don't even. He didn't impose look, the I didn't, I didn't share the supplemental panel. Thank you. Uh, uh, this has been um, encouraging, inspiring. Get ready to rumble! And this completes the question and answer portion of the debate. Each candidate will now. You'll have two minutes for closing remarks. Let's um, let's make our points strong and clear. Look, it's, it's about pride, loyalty, and respect. It's <laughs> about the Teamsters Union. It's <laughs> about electing a leadership <laughs> that Everybody? doesn't flip-flop like Mr. Flip-Flop Fred here. <laughs> it's about pro progressional transition. It's about seeing the future. It's about Teamsters <laughs> preparing for that future and not grabbing onto the past and insulting our general president or our general secretary treasurer or even the same people that are running with them on the slate, calling them cowards. I told you 15 people are on the Hoffa payroll and three more family members are, 18. So he's insulting his own <laughs> slate. I'm standing on this stage as a little Latino kid that came from the UPS ranks, right? Walked the, the strike line in 1997, and I wanna be your next General Secretary Treasurer, because I'm gonna put pride back into the Teamsters Union. Hey, everybody, it's me, Thank you. Mickey Mouse. Mrs. Hey, everybody, please. it's me, Mickey Mouse. Well, Ron, you represent everything that's wrong with the Teamsters Union. You s supported every wrong thing in the past that I've fought about for the last 12 years. You know, I noticed that you didn't make any comments about us losing 300,000 members, which is a disaster. I noticed you didn't mention anything about losing 178 local unions, which is a disaster because you supported that. I know that you supported the implementation of the 2018 contract, and we had serious issues in subcontracting that you go to Southern California and whine to all those guys down there that it's wrong that we couldn't fix the subcontracting problem where you could have stood up and did the right thing and supported Sean and I to reject that contract, go back to the table and fix that subcontracting problem, which you didn't want to do. There is only one clear choice here. There's a choice of whether you're going to stand with the membership or you're going to stand with the companies. Over here, that's what they do. They stand with the companies. It's a busy, business-friendly union. Get along, go along, whatever the company wants. We'll go sell it. That's fine. Over here, you're going to get a fight. That's what you're going to get. You want, you want business-friendly? Go to that side because that's not what the Teamsters Union wants. We are going to win this election. Sean O'Brien is going to be our next general president, and I am proud to support him because he's taken on the fight that I have taken on for the last 12 years, and I appreciate that. Just like he says, this is a full contact sport. You better put your helmet on and buckle your chin straps up because Oz is going to win this election. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, gentlemen. This is the uh, this is the last
the third and last of the 2021 International Brotherhood Teamsters candidate debates. And can we um, give a round of applause for the, um, the, the gentleman who's been talking to us and, and what we've heard tonight? And I want to thank you in the audience here and, and for abiding by the rules which I described at the beginning. And I also want to thank those who have been watching us on live stream. I very much want to thank my colleagues on the panel here. And finally, I'd like to thank Richard Mark, the election supervisor for organizing debate. You can watch a recording of this debate of the two previous debates between the candidates at General President at www. IBTVote.org. I'll say it again, www.IBTVote.org, and I strongly urge you to do so. I've learned from those. Teamster members in the United States and Canada, next week, ballots will be mailed to you, each one of you, and the vote will begin on November 15th. Look for your international union officer election ballot to arrive by mail in early October. Please be sure to fill out your ballot and return it by the mail so that your vote and your voice can be counted. Thanks again. Thank you for telling us so much. Good night. There you have it. You have the, the secretary of... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Mickey Mouse. Hi, everybody. It's me, Mickey Mouse. Hey, do I come inside my car? Let me tell you something, man. If they had on boxing gloves, it would have been on. And I would have loved to see that shit. I would love to see that Mickey Mouse guy get slapped the fuck up. But anyway, you heard it here live on Union Power Radio. I'll be putting it on podcast for you. If you missed anything, you'll listen to the whole show on podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening and tuning in on a Wednesday after, Wednesday night to this debate. And we're going to be talking about a lot about this debate more, uh, I guess, on uh, Saturday. We're going to have a live from Chicago from the TDU convention, and we're going to be talking about this debate. This debate was kind of hard. I liked it. It was, it was uh, hard-hitting, and uh, hopefully it got some of the answers. But, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things they don't talk about. And this is and most important to me is part-timers. They don't talk anything about part-timers. What are they going to do about part-timers? They are the key to this company. And part-timers should be spoken about. And some, no one talked about part-timers. And I'm upset about that. But I'm going to get upset on Saturday. We're going to have a live show. I'll put it up on Facebook. What time we're going to be? I think it's going to be around 6 o'clock in the evening uh, after we did all our uh, education classes. But we're going to have a lot of people in the TDU convention that we're probably going to have interviewed. Sean O'Brien and, and, and Fred Zuckerman. So stay tuned for the What The Heck Show. And thank you for listening to the What The Heck Show on a Wednesday night. And peace out, my brothers and sisters. Union Power Radio, every other Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with your host, Tony Rosario.